0: We who she is, we love how you've made her, the gifts and the abilities you've given her, her, her kind of appetite for understanding you theologically and for expressing that. We love uh, how she's crafted this message this evening and we are hungry and we are expectant. We, we need to hear from you, Lord. We need to be fed by you. And we know that you will do that by your spirit. Speak to us now, head, heart, will. Shape us as your children, as this church family. And may Lydia know your delight as she speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, as Tim was saying, we are beginning um, this evening
1: our sort of value series where we look at our four Gs. We've got Get Involved out there, we've got Get Giving, which will be in a couple of weeks, and today we're doing Get Connected. We've also got Get, out there, but we've broken the pole, so um, that's a feature later in the month, I'm sure. Um, Cool. Get Connected. Um, We're going to dive straight into the book of Hebrews. So if you want to open up your Bibles at Hebrews chapter 10, and that's page 1143 in the church Bibles, We're going to um, particularly look at verses 23 to 25 of chapter 10 um, this evening. But actually, just as we worshipped, I think it would be helpful to read from verse 19. So we're going to go from verse 19 of chapter 10. A call to persevere in faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is living and active. And just as this was a deeply, deeply relevant truth for first century Christians, so it is for us right now. Would you open our hearts to hear all you have for us, and would this be a sacrifice of praise to you? Amen. Amen. Uh, If you've ever read the book of Hebrews, um, you'll know that it's um, it's quite radical, it's quite interesting, there's a lot of images of blood and um, goats and Melchizedek. Jesus, the Great High Priest. And um, Hebrews is one of the latest uh, New Testament letters. So it's written towards the end of the first century, so probably about 50 years after um, Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's written to primarily a group of Jewish Christians. So a group of people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ from a Jewish background. And there's a lot about doctrine, a lot about theology, A lot about what this new faith means in terms of their Judaism, so that's where all the imagery comes in. But there's also this radical call to persevere, to endure, that we hear and feel in these verses. And that's because these Jewish Christians were being persecuted and they were being socially kind of ostracised by the world around them, who were saying to them, you need to give up these customs, you can't believe in this Jesus Christ, you need to come back into Judaism. And the writer to the Hebrews, we don't know um, who, he, or she was, so we can all see that. It could have been Priscilla, you never know. Um, anyway, sorry, sorry. Um, the writer to the Hebrews is saying to this group of new Christians, these G- Jewish converts, actually endure, endure, endure. And how do you endure? What is his answer, her answer, to all of this? Verse 25, well actually verse 24 to 25, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the answer then? The answer is church. The answer is Connection. <laughs> It's the people of God connecting with each other, gathering together, doing church, doing what we're doing, sitting in this room right now. And not in a kind of like bland way, where we come in and we like hit the box, and we're like, great, I've done Sunday church, that's that done for the week, let's go on to Monday morning. Actually, there's something deeply, deeply radical and dynamic about this call to church. And so as you follow the chapters through, you hit Hebrews chapter 11. It's an extraordinary chapter that lists... uh, the patriarchs list those in the Old Testament and their adventures of faith. When you hit verse 38, I find it one of the most inspiring and deeply challenging um, verses in scripture. It speaks of people who have died in the faith and it says this, chapter 11, verse 38, the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. They were utterly persecuted in this life, but they had that eyes fixed on the things to come. They knew that their citizenship was in heaven and they were so countercultural that the world was not worthy of them. I wonder what it would take for that to be written on my grace day. You know, that the world was not worthy of her because she was all for Jesus. Deep challenge. Um, and then you move on to Hebrews uh, chapter 12, and it just starts with a great cloud of witnesses. All those people who have run this race before us all those Christians, all those guys in the Old Testament who have known God cheering us on, saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And so church, you we find it right now, sitting in this room on this kind of wall, Sunday many evening. It's not just about this. It's about the church through all of history. And it's the most exciting thing that we can give our lives to. Because it's Jesus the church. And he loves it. Okay. So... Why church? Well, the answer as ever is theological, scriptural and practical. So, Theology and Colin Kawhi. Sorry, Colin. Sorry, Colin (laughs) (laughs) Kawhi. And we (laughs) then... Back in the zoo. Christian theology, all the true theology is ultimately relational, and it's about um, the relationship of God within himself, it's about the relationship of God with us, and it's about God's encouragement to us for our relationship with each other. And scripture's really clear that God is free and one. So his father, here we go, the tiny trinity is back, his son, and his Holy spirit. And so God, within his person, is inherently relational. Actually, the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father, and the Spirit loves the Father, and the Spirit loves the Son, and the Son and the Father, they love the Spirit. And God is always, always in relationship. And he's also always creative and outwardly focused. And so, once upon a time, a long, long time ago, he thought it would be a good idea to make us. So we call him Adam. And we call Eve. And we are made in the image of this relational God, the free and one. And because we're made in his image, here we are, at its fullest, at its most perfect, bears his likeness. And so theologians talk about us so being image bearers, image bearers. So we're image bearers of this relational God, the free and one. But not only is he relational, In his relationship, he's distinct. So God is always one, but he's always free. And he's distinct in the fact that Father is always Father, and Son is always Son, and Spirit is always Spirit. And so he says to us as humanity, that I've created you for unity and to walk well together, but I've also created you in distinction. I've created you as man and as woman. So unity and distinction as we reflect God, we're made for relationship. Thank you so much. Yeah. the Trinity pop back? Yeah, okay. Okay. And we feel this again and again in Scripture. So Jesus, and the last prayer before the cross, we find in John chapter 17, and he cries out for unity. He prays to the Father, let them be one, just as we are one. And then you move on to uh, the letter, Paul to the Corinthians. So and it's out there, i to get bold back. One Corinthians, chapter 12. And Paul talks about the fact that actually we're also distinct. So just as we're one body, and we're called to be unified and do this stuff well together, we're also distinct. So some of us are hands, and some of us are feet, and some of us are eyes, and mouths. So that's his metaphor. And what scripture is getting at is that we are made free and the world around us is most free. And we most bear God's image. Not only in relationship with each other, but in relationship with those who are different to us. And so men and women, old and young, different socioeconomic groups, different ethnicities, we most bear God's image. We are most fully alive when we have unlikely friends. And the church is an extraordinary place for that to occur. Again and again, when I talk to people, when they first come into church, I've always thought this over the years, I've been in different churches, and you look around and you're like, what is this group of people doing in a room together? Everything's saying this last week. Actually, suddenly, it's a disparate group of people who come together before Jesus Christ and we bear God's image in our unity, in our oneness, in running the race together, also in the distinction of our different personalities and the different ways that he's made us. Um, Mark Scalata is the, he's the Old Testament pres- uh, professor at St. Manitis up um, in Earl's Court. And he just says this, God's love for us as individuals is wrapped up in his design for us to discover our identity through others. God's love for us as individuals is wrapped up in his desire for us to discover who we are through each other. Actually, in our relationships with each other, in getting connected, in being in church, in meeting people who are different to us, we more fully understand who we are for the sake of the one. So that's the theology. And then we turn to scripture. And we have to stand with John Wesley. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement. And he just says this, the Bible knows nothing of solo religion. The Bible knows nothing of solo religion. And scripture at its most practical level is a message of partnership, of a God, the free and one, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who longs to partner with his people, Men and women of all ages, of all backgrounds. A God who is looking for partners and who is then encouraging <laughs> us to partner with each other. If any of you ever read Garden City by John Mark Comer, that is his big theme. God's looking for partners. God's looking for partners. Um, but he's not looking for partners. who work in isolation. He's looking for people who are willing to partner with each other and get to know each other. And so as we turn to the Old Testament, um, God creates us in relationship, Adam and Eve. Then we go wrong, but God doesn't leave us in there. In the Old Testament, he's always, always calling a people to himself. He's calling Israel. He's calling people to work together. David and Jonathan, Naomi and Ruth. Then we open up the New Testament, and we meet Jesus. And Jesus is always in community. Jesus' very being, his very way of living, because he was a rabbinic Jew, meant that he was always surrounded by people. He didn't know the rampant individualism that we know in our culture. He was always, always with people. And even when he withdrew to the quiet place to pray, which is important, we need our moments alone with the Lord. Even then, people came to him. Disciples found him. The crowds found him. He lived in community. He had the free, the 12 to 72, etc. And there's only one point where Jesus found himself not in community. And it's in Matthew chapter 4, where the Holy Spirit drives Jesus into the desert, into the wilderness. And it's in that place of isolation for 40 days that the devil contempt him. Only in that place where he is taken out of community. Does Satan have any access to him? And he's the son of God, so he is without sin. And he shouts down the devil, cracks on the business tree. But what that is saying to us is that we're called to community. And places of isolationism are dangerous places for us. God calls us always to do it together. It's his great gift to us. And so you've got Acts 2, the fellowship of the apostles, of the believers, Paul, and Timothy, Barnabas, Silas, it goes on and on and on. Scripture knows nothing of solo no religion, and God is looking for partners. And um, when I was thinking about this, I remembered uh, a few years ago chatting to a friend, and to be fair, she'd been, I think quite like the, by church in her life. Given up on go to church, not on God. And she said to me, you know what, it's okay. But on a Sunday, one I get up and I listen to a couple of worship songs and uh, I listen to a podcast and then I have to pray and make sure I read my Bible and then that's my church. And initially I was like, hmm, maybe that's okay. And then when I stepped back and thought about it, I thought, absolutely not. That, that's just not church. That's not church. Church is a body of people coming together. It's where iron sharpens iron. And actually there is a bit of a danger zone for us in our culture right now. I feel it in myself. Um, that we can basically just do Google Theology where we like do our little Google on the internet and we're like, oh, I'll take a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, and before you know it, you've made a God in your own image. And we can do podcast Christianity. Not that there's anything wrong with podcasts. I spend a lot of time listening to John Marco, to be fair. Um... But we need to do this. We need to do church, warts and all. Because God has given us scripture, his unfailing word, which never changes. And he's given it to us to be outworked in the body of Christ, in church, in what we're doing right now. Finally, we get to, to the kind of practice of it all. Because, yes, this is partly about us flourishing and us understanding who we are. But more importantly, it's about the world out there, which is what the journey of these four G's gets us to. We end and get out there. Um, the church, this body. This beautiful thing that Jesus Christ has instigated. It's called to be a prophetic reality in a fallen world. We are the thing that God has chosen to partner with, to say, hey, this is who Jesus is. This is the signpost of the new creation. This is all that is to come. We're called to be a prophetic reality, a prophetic body. And no more so and then in this whole area of community. Because for the first time in history, I think, we find ourselves in a culture that elevates the individual over the corporate. as a really dangerous place to be. And not to put a doubt on as many wonderful things about England, about the Western culture, but actually if we look at it as worse, we're deeply lonely and we're deeply narcissistic. And that is the opposite of everything the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. And so we know a different way. And we can say to the world out there, you are not alone,
2: and it is not all about you.
1: And you know what, telling someone it's not all about them is deeply, deeply liberating. Because if it is all about me, that is like a weight I cannot bear. But say to someone, actually, you're gonna find out who you are in community by being by coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. That is so liberating, so liberating. And our world and our culture needs to know it. And we desperately need to know that we're not alone. We're not alone. I was a youth pastor for 10 years and it was just horrifying watching the rates of, of teenage anxiety and depression just increase, increase, increase. Everything that we've got that aims to make us more connected seems to be making us less connected who struggle to have honest conversations, but suddenly in church, in the accountability groups, in the life groups, in just one-on-one conversations in the pub, suddenly we're able to be real with each other, have an actual conversation, and our world is craving that. It's craving that. So we're prophetic people that can stand against eye culture and we can say, you are not alone. It's not all about you. And it's a place where we can have unlikely friendships. In a little while, we're going to hear from Colin. Now, Colin and Ross have been in this church since 1970. 1980. 1980. She so did quite well. Um, Have theology and we've had a prophetic practice. So how? What
2: does it look like? Um,
1: there is absolutely no possibility that anyone sitting in this room this evening is here by accident. God's sovereign and he's ordained it. So let's just turn to the person next to us and say, you are meant to be here. Okay. perfect, but because we believe God is doing something in this place. So first thing I want to say, just please take church really, really seriously. You do, guys. I know. i see when we give out communion and things and I meet people and I can just think, gosh, you're on that team. You're on that team. Please keep taking church seriously. Do turn up on time. It's a wonderful thing to turn up on time. <laughs> um, turn card. Tim talked about the turn card. Have a look at what's going on this term? Go onto the website. Read 60 Seconds. Come to open house if you're new. We're desperate to get to know you. Do come along to our men's and women's ministries. Brilliant space just to relationally chat to a few more people and go deeper with them. who the Lord is. Talk is presence. Like you can come. We want to facilitate your walk with Christ. We want to do church together. We want to say this is a massively important thing for the sake of the world. But we're a gathered church as well and we work and live all over London. So we want to find ways of really supporting the kind of organic stuff that goes on. Um, I was just talking to John, I'm so sorry, can I put you on the spot? Yeah, but I'm uh, James. George turn. <laughs> I was just thinking that, so, um, that long of us work in similar places, really and it'd be great for you guys. Some of you work in Westminster, some of you work in the city, some of you work wherever you guys, work. I'm sure you're a really Just really organically, just meet up, have lunch, do church again, we can find them a little bit. See how you're getting on. Um, and i hear here that you two have been really doing this.
0: Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you just told yeah, so we, we met up for um, we lead a life group together um, and we met up for lunch this week. I just started a new job which happens to be round the corner from where John works. John works at TFL. I work for uh, a sustainable <laughs> startup in Bankside and um, yeah, we just met up for Peter Express. This guy's great to know because he gets half speaks Pizza Express every week, so well, that's obviously not the main reason,
1: <laughs> uh, uh, but we talked about
0: Life Group and we talked about God and about prayer and uh, actually it was a brilliant brilliant lunch, it was really refreshing, um, we're going to do it more.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah saying that we've been meeting up so far so as once, but yeah, we'll carry on. But, um, so, your, your favourite expression is Lydia. Of um, you know, what does uh, church look like on a Tuesday afternoon for you? And I think there is something about um, bringing bringing a little bit of safety, it's kind of, with you into the week. So it's not just a, um, a Fulham uh, Sunday afternoon thing. Um. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the encouragement
2: there
1: is just think where you work i find someone else in this room, or at the 10th or at the 8.30, who works, Me, and just hang out with them, see what the Lord does with it. So that's the organic stuff. Um, accountability groups, or prayer triplets are kind of interchangeable terms for what is a similar thing, and they are the most encouraging thing. Um, I'm involved with Laura Hicks, and Laura Brookley, and I think it just started, because a couple of years ago, Hicks came up to me at the end of the evening service and said, do you want to pray? And we did, and here we are two years later, and it's amazing. Um, so just ask other Laura if that's okay, um, to just come up and share a little bit about um, what our accountability group has suddenly meant for her, and how it's stretched you and grounded you, and what the Lord's doing. Yeah, yeah
2: it's um, it's been amazing, actually. I used to be a life group, um, which was brilliant, but uh, I think I always found that there wasn't always time to have really in-depth conversations about my life and what God was doing and maybe what was challenging me in what I was doing at work. And as most of you know, I work for church, so that brings another dynamic as well. And, and just the three of us meetings has been so incredible and, and actually really transformative in my life because I think inviting people you really trust to just speak into your life um, so candidly is sometimes painful, but actually really, really helpful. And just having people just love you, regardless of what you say or, or what you do, is amazing. Um, I, I haven't really experienced that before, and I think um, having people tell you, or inviting people to tell you exactly what they think about what you're doing, what you're saying, you might not necessarily agree with them to start with, but you probably will come round to agreeing with them, and even if you don't, that's okay. Um, But for me, it's given me an opportunity to speak things aloud, which maybe otherwise I would have just mulled over in my head and maybe blown out of all proportion, or um, not really considered properly, um, maybe thought I was praying about, but maybe wasn't actually praying about that well, or wasn't at all. and yeah, just, I think just being able to speak things out loud um, in a really safe space, really regularly, with people you know and trust, um, in a smaller, more intimate space than a life group. Don't get me wrong, I think life groups are amazing. Um, but just being able to do that has been so amazing for me in just general life, but also in my work, work, walk with the Lord. So yeah, i really, really recommend it. But really pray about who you're going to deal with. So I think that's the most important thing for me that Josie and Liz, uh, I, I just trust them implicitly, and we've got a sort of just such a strong bond that it, it really really works that we can speak honestly to each other, we can ask these questions, we can share. Um. So, but that was a really prayerful thing that we joined together. So, um, Yeah, I would really advise praying a lot before, um, and yeah, don't just jump into a group anyone, but pray about it first.
1: kind of more organic stuff. And then finally, there's the life groups, and Tim um, explained what life groups are, and we also really want to champion those uh, this evening. So I've asked um, a few people, uh, Jen and Emily, and then Colin is going to come up, and they're just going to tell us a little bit about their life group and their CPU people, and then we've got a practical response at the end, so we'll explain that in a moment. Um, Jen and Emily, do you want to come up? Let's give these guys a round guys have been kind of going as an iPhone for a little while, but in a few different forms, and you hit September and you want to kind of relaunch, you've got some new visions, so do you
2: want to share that with us? Um, we do, actually, before um, the service we were discussing what our vision was, and we actually I think it's really encapsulated by Hebrews uh, 10 verse 28, we'll read that aloud in the service, that'll be lovely, and then Lydia has already read it, so quite a lot of our talk was going to be that. spirit. Heavenly spirit, exactly. Um, so um, yeah, we um, had um, we actually since Christmas we've had an all-woman life group and that has been so um, really lovely and encouraging and we're all also praying for each other. Um, but that's people have got new jobs and moved and we are now uh, having men in our life group as well, which is exciting. <laughs> 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 um, so if you are looking to join a new life group, um, we meet on Wednesdays. We're the only I think the only life group that meets on Wednesdays, So if you can't commit to the normal Tuesday. Not the only Wednesday night, but yeah. So if you can't do Tuesdays and you're looking for another night, then please come and talk to us. Yeah, that's
1: Emily said everything. (laughs) That's (laughs) great. We're a really nice group. Uh, um, Come and talk to us. We're nice. Thanks, guys. And Colin. Thank you. Longest running life group. That's sometimes.
0: It probably is the longest running. Um, that's not the most important thing about it, though. It's not the best thing about it. It's been going a long time. Um, if we haven't met before, i to introduce myself. I'm Colin, and Ros and I go to the 8:30 service in the morning. The 8:30 service has got lots of things to recommend it. Although I must say, this morning we did not have little coloured toy people I'm in. So the am so sorry. We <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I'll still> <laughs> don't get all of
2: it.
0: Our life group has been going for years and years. Ros and I took it over. Quite a long time ago but like i was saying that's not what's good about it. one of the best things about it is the diversity of the people that we get there we are all ages and we are from all different backgrounds and the thing that we share in common is that we all want to find out more about walking with jesus and we want to find it out from the bible so that's what we do every week. We study the Bible. It's a big thing for us. I'm sure it is for all life groups. We also meet on a Wednesday. So if you can't make it to a Tuesday life group, we're good for that. We meet on Wednesdays. We alternate where we meet. Uh, some weeks, we meet at uh, Ross and I's flat, which is near Hammersmith on the river. And then alternate weeks, we meet at uh, another member, Mark's house, which is in Clonmel Road here, just off Fulham Road. Um, The really important thing about our life group, and I always say this, is that there's one person who's never missed a single meeting of our life group. It's a pretty impressive achievement, but he's been to every single one, and that is Jesus. He is always there. And that's what makes it central to us that we meet him at the beginning of our life group. We sit down, we talk about what we need to say to him, and then we put it into prayer, and we get stuck in and give it to Jesus. We have a time of prayer that's all about that. So that's the first half of our meetings. And then the second half is about Bible study. And we sometimes follow the kind of sermon series that we get a kind of suggestion from Tim and Lydia. Sometimes we plow our own furrow and we use kind of Bible study books like, this This is the one we use, the moment. it's called The Cross by John Stock. It's really good and we take it in turns to lead the group, not everybody leads it, but anybody who's interested in leading it takes a turn at leading it. And I've got to say, over the years, I think I've learned more kind of important stuff about Christianity from other members of our group, and sometimes from them just asking a question like, what does this bit here mean? That's all it takes for us to kick it into action and learn something. So I would like to invite you to come and join us. If you're not already in a house group, we'll have a thing downstairs afterwards. And uh, Wednesday evenings is our thing. Uh, come and join us. Thank you.
1: Great, shall we? Um, thank you to everybody who's spoken, actually. That was a really honest and clear and vulnerable points. So um, yeah, thank you. Um, should take a moment to let all of that settle. And there's different things there for different people. For some of us, it might be joining a life group. For some of us, it might be the challenge to, to find these unlikely friends. I seem a bit more multi-generational. For others of us, it might be around the accountability group. And we know that we need to find a couple of people we feel really safe with and go into that kind of deeper way. For others of us, it might be around our work. And we know that the work's hard. We know that someone else is just around the corner and we can grab in a lunch hour or after work in the evening and just do the stuff of life in favor of them. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna let the spirit not just as individuals and corporately. So Father, we just thank you that you never ask us to do this alone. It is a joy to serve you. But we always serve you in community. And Holy Spirit, we know that you've been present with us throughout our day, throughout this meeting. Would you come now, would you highlight to each of us where you're leading us onwards, this academic year. What you're calling us into, to flourish for the sake of the world that you love. Just come, Holy Spirit.